what if we're not in a season of waiting for things to go back to how they were? What if right now we're in a season creating a new normal for our life? The, the things that we're going through, the things that we're experiencing, the things that we're learning, the things that we're doing right now, what if those things are actually going to shape our future and our potential? I believe they are, and I believe it's important for us as a church, as Vima, as Wichitans, to, to really think about what we're doing right now as it pertains to our future. Because I believe we are creating a new normal for our lives as we lean into this season. And so for us as a church, we're even looking at this spiritually. The things that we're doing, the habits that we're creating, the rhythms, the disciplines of our life. What are the things that we're doing to create a new normal in our life spiritually? For us as a church, our mission is this, is that we exist to help people know God. We exist to help people grow in freedom. We exist to help people discover their purpose and then go make a difference. The way that we say this all the time is we exist to help people know, grow, discover, and go. It's a really simple way. Know God, grow in freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. I believe right now this is the season, this is the moment for us as a church to lean into our mission, to become more of who God called us to be, to, to know him deeper and richer. And so that way, whenever this season is done, we're able to step into new potentials in a future that I believe that God has for us that's better than what we could even think, dream, or imagine. So let's dive into God's word. Before we do that, let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. God, we pray that right now you would, as we're watching this and as we're uh, gathering together in homes and cars, at work, wherever we may be watching this online, God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, as we're looking to create a new normal in our lives, God, show us how we can do that. Open our eyes, open our ears, and open our spirits to what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians 1.17. Ephesians 1.17, and it says this. We've got it right here. It says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So this, this right here, the scripture, it says, this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. So that's a fun word to say, Ephesus. So this is Paul talking to the church of Ephesus. And he says, I keep asking God, I'm praying for you. This is what I want for you, church, is that you would keep going to God and that, you would, that, that God would reveal himself and that you would know him better. And church, this is my prayer for you. I, I pray this all the time, that you, as, as part of Vima, as you people who are watching maybe from Wichita, that you would know God better. And Paul's desire here is that they would know God better. But this phrase, if you look at it, it's more than just knowing God. I love that he uses the word better. And, and almost this word better here, this phrase gives us insight that following Jesus or that knowing God requires for things to change and to grow and to evolve and that we should expect that there are varying degrees of knowing God. So if we can know him better, that means that how I know him today is different than maybe how I knew him yesterday, and it will be different in the future how I know him. So what this tells us, this is almost like an action. What Paul is asking for the people is not just at one moment, just a revelation. What Paul is asking is that these people would step into a new norm, that these people would step into a new rhythm, a new discipline in life, that they would know God better. And I believe that's what God wants for us. But there's actually a difference between knowing about someone and then actually knowing them. 
There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing him. And my fear is this, that there's a lot of people out there, a lot of us, that we know some things about God. We know some things about Jesus. We've maybe heard a few stories and maybe been to church on Easter and Christmas and maybe been to Sunday school a few times if you grew up in a church back in the day. And you know some things about him, but maybe you haven't really experienced the real Jesus. And so what Paul is asking, what Paul is praying is that they will know him better. Is that What he's asking is that they would have a relationship with God. In fact, to know God better, to know God better requires accumulation of shared experiences. So for us to know God, or really anyone for that sake, for us to know anyone better, it, it requires us to have multiple Experiences. In fact, the more experiences, the accumulation of our experiences, the more interactions, the more that we talk, the more that we listen, the more that we pray, the more that we worship, the more that we attend church, the more that we open God's word and read it, the more that we do these things, we actually know him better. And so we're talking about not just memorizing facts, but actually having meaningful moments of exchange filled with emotion and insight and vulnerability and, and humor and disappointment and heartache. That's what God wants with us. That's what Paul is asking for the church. That's what I'm hoping that you can have with Jesus. It's not just memorizing and learning things about him, but actually sharing experiences with him. Not to just know about him, but to actually know him personally. In fact, I think about this time a few years ago, um, our family was, was growing and uh, we had our third kid, and we knew our fourth kid was on the way, which four kids is a lot, I'm just saying. Uh, but so we were, our family was growing and multiplying, and we just had a little car, and, and we actually had a moment where, where uh, someone helped us get a larger vehicle, Yukon, beautiful vehicle. It was, in fact, it was the newest car that we had ever had, the nicest car that we had ha ever had, the lowest mileage on a car that we had ever had. And we were so proud of it. And I remember I took a picture of my wife standing next to this Yukon and we posted it on Facebook and we were so proud as a family and as a married couple that we had just, you know, kind of stepped into this new season and had this new special gift. And so many people were like, you know, congratulations and they're thankful and grateful. But then I'll never forget one person jumped on the comment thread and they said this. They said, how does a pastor afford a vehicle like that? And then they said this, here's the dagger. They say, man, preaching must really pay good. And if you know anything about pastors, that's not true for the majority of us. But that statement, man, that hit me so deep and so hard. And here's the irony is that as I'm trying to figure out how do I respond to that? Like it was hateful. It was judgmental. It was assumptive of who we were and what was going on. I was trying to decide how I recognize something. This person doesn't know me. I knew them a long time ago. In fact, I went to school with them a long time ago, but they didn't know me now. They didn't know my family because if they had known my family, they would have known where that Yukon came from because they would have seen it in pictures with other people of my family. Someone very near to me helped us have that vehicle. And so how many, maybe that's happened to you before. Maybe something good has happened to you and, and then other people have judged it or criticized it or said negative things toward you. Or maybe someone, maybe you said something once and then other people took it out of context and you went and you maybe even thought if they only knew me, they would have known what I meant by that. They would have known I didn't mean that or I, I, I don't hope that or I didn't wish that or that's not what I meant by that. Is it possible that there are things about God that you've maybe made assumptions about? 
based off of your past experiences or maybe based off of others' past experiences? Is it possible that maybe you've assumed, just like that person assumed some things about me, that you've assumed some things about God based off of an inaccurate view of who he actually is? Not only do I think it's possible, I think it's probable. I think a lot of us have maybe have done that at different times. So what we're, what we're, the only way that we solve that is by taking the time to actually know that person personally. And that's what God wants from us. So what Paul is asking for, I think, could radically change your life. That you have a perspective and have an insight that you would actually know Jesus as a real person. First John says this, chapter 2. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is a sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Let's keep reading. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar. That's hard to hear. And is not living the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Verse 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So we're unpackaging this idea, this first part of our mission, which is to know God. And I believe the way that we know God, this new normal that we're supposed to create, this new norm that God wants for your life, is to be more like Jesus. I believe that's one of the first things that we need to do as we're pursuing a spiritual relationship, as we're maybe trying to become a better person spiritually. I think one of the things that we need to do first is to focus on how do we do that. The way that we do that is to be more like Jesus. Not out of religion, but out of relationship. In fact, Romans 8.29 says this, For God knew, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So here, here, here we see that God wants us to be like Jesus. God's asking for us to, to, to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus. But he says the way that we do that is, is to be in family, to be in relationship, brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. So to be like Jesus is to follow him. To be like Jesus is to be in relationship with him. In fact, there's a term that we use for this in the church. It's called discipleship. And that's kind of a, a maybe we've heard that word, maybe you've not heard that word. Maybe a more modern term for that would be apprenticeship. Uh, apprenticeship. And it's this idea that you follow someone everywhere. You follow where they go. You follow, you eat what they eat. You go where they go. If they go to the gym, you go to the gym and work out. If they do 10 push-ups, you do 10 push-ups. If they get up and they go this way, you get up and you go that way. This idea of following Jesus is this idea of apprenticeship, discipleship. And that's what the 12 disciples did is they followed Jesus every day. They went with him everywhere he went. You think about this, I'm kind of a movie guy. We watch a lot of movies and maybe, maybe some pictures would help you understand this. You think about this like uh, Star Wars fans, any Star Wars fans out there? You guys enjoy some of that stuff? I hope so. No? Maybe some of you, I don't know. But you got, 
Star Wars, you got the, the old school, the Anakin and Obi-Wan. You know, Anakin was right on the hip of Obi-Wan, of course, until he turned to, spoiler alert, Darth Vader. Um, and then you had, then the modern Star Wars, you had Princess Leia and you had Rey. You know, apprenticeship, she was right there learning from him. Maybe you're an Avengers fan. If you're an Avengers fan, you got Tony Stark and Peter Parker. You know, Iron Man and Spider-Man. And, and then maybe those of you who are over 50, maybe you got Andy Griffith and Barney Five. <laughs> so... You know, in a lot of different movies and shows, we see this picture of apprenticeship, this picture of I'm on someone's hip. I'm learning from them daily. I'm doing what they do. I'm following them. I'm, I'm leaning into what they're doing and what they're saying. And this is the invitation that Paul is giving to the church all the way back to Ephesians, that you would know him better daily, personally, intentionally, intimately. So to follow Jesus and, and to, to know him better, I think there's three things we need to do. The first one is this. To follow Jesus requires for you to surrender your life. To follow Jesus requires you to surrender your life. In that scripture we just read, 1 John 2, 4, it says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. I don't know about you. Like, when I hear that, that just like, kind of makes me cringe. I'm like, I thought God loved people. Like, I thought he was full of grace and mercy and like now you're saying, if I don't do what he says, I, that I'm a liar. In fact, John 14, 15 says this, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So two different times, like God says, if you love me and if you know me, you're going to do what I say. When I hear that, it almost sounds like a, a dictator. Like I said, do this and you have to do it. If you don't do it, then this is going to happen. That doesn't sound right. But when, here's what happens when you actually start to know him better you realize that when, when, when God is saying this, when Jesus is saying this, if, if, if you know me, if you love me, you're going you're gonna to follow my commandments. What he's really doing, it's not a threat. It's a promise. God is saying, if you live the way that I'm calling you to live, if you do the things that I'm calling you to do, if you say the things and act the way that I'm calling you to live, I've actually got good things in store for you. What sounds like a threat is really not a threat at all. It's really a promise for our potential. It's a promise for our future. You cannot be a follower of Jesus and not do and say what he says to do. And so I challenge you, this idea of knowing God is, is to come to a place that you go, God, I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to follow Jesus in all that I do. And the way that I'm going to do that is surrendering my will and my way of thinking in my perspective, and my beliefs, I'm going to say, God, what does your word say? Who are you calling me to be here? What do you say I should do? What do you say that I should say? If you're going to, I've heard preachers say this a lot when I'm growing up. If you're going to trust God with your eternity, if you're going to pray to Jesus and ask, say, Jesus, save me, like, give me salvation. I want to go to heaven. Then why wouldn't you trust him with your day to day? So surrender your day to day. That's the first key. The second one, to follow Jesus requires you to reorganize your life. So to follow Jesus requires you to reorganize your life. What do I mean by that? I mean that when you're following Jesus, uh, the, the, the person who follows Jesus, their life has a certain discipline and rhythm to it. Some like really practical ways that you reorganize your life to follow Jesus. What does it look like? For some of us, for a lot of us, that looks like attending church regularly. You may say, hey, John, I'm stuck at home. Well, you're doing that right now. So congratulations. You're currently attending how we can attend church. You're watching online, maybe with a few family members, a few friends. Like that's a part of reorganizing your life. You're saying on Sunday is not my day to sleep in or to watch the golf channel or NASCAR or whatever it is. 
you know, sleep in and watch some football. Hopefully it's coming back. Hopefully. Uh, whatever it may be, Sunday's a day that I'm coming to attend church together. And I, I think it's important that you understand why I'm saying you should attend church. It's not because I like to have people in the room when I preach, even though that's great. It's really hard to preach to a camera, if I'm honest. I do love it when you're there. But the reason we come to church is to remind ourselves that we don't belong to the world out there. We actually belong to a family. We belong to the family of Christ and the people that we attend church with, the people that we bump elbows with, not shake hands or high five, bump elbows with, the people that we sing with, worship with, the people that we we open up God's word and learn with, those people are our family. They're making similar choices and similar decisions to follow Christ, to surrender their lives to him and to follow him and know him better. Another way you can reorganize your life is just to say, hey, I'm going to give God the first part of my day. David says, hey, I woke up while there's still dew on the ground and I sang and I read scripture and I prayed to God. I think it's good for us to do that, to have a time right out of the gates to read God's word, to pray, to worship. If you, if, if you don't, uh, maybe you don't play an instrument or maybe you're not good, good, good at singing, like go on Spotify. Man, there's all kinds of playlists. In fact, our church has put together playlists that you can go and listen to and, and worship. Uh, another great way that you can reorganize your life, and this one I think maybe some of us have been doing it the last couple of weeks, is this, is silence and solitude to reflect and to listen and to let God speak to you, to, to quiet down all the busyness and distraction and work and school and this and that and go, God, I want to hear from you. That's a great way that you can reorganize your life. So the third thing, kind of in closing today, is to follow Jesus requires you to give your life. And this is the idea, this is different than surrender. Surrender is to say, God, I know you're God and I'm not. But to give your life is to say, I think I might have a purpose. I believe that God has a purpose for me to use my life to maybe help other people, to maybe help other people know him, to help other people experience him, maybe to help other people out of generosity. So to follow Jesus requires you to give your life, recognizing it's not mine anyways, that God created me, that he made me on purpose and for a purpose. Ephesians 2, the word God's handiwork, created to do good works. So God made us on purpose and then he created us to do good works, to have a purpose. So it's this recognition that my life has a purpose. I don't just wake up and and eat and work or go to school just because someone tells me I should. I do those things with intentionality, recognizing that as I go here and as I do that, and this person I talk to and this person I encounter, that each one of those things has a purpose to it. Each one of those relationships has a purpose to it. So God, what are you asking me to do? The people that I encounter, the people that I experience, God, how do you want to use me to minister to them? Um, And then submitting to that, kind of stepping to that. One of the ways we talk about that uh, here at Vima is that to give your life to Christ, meaning to serve and and to to lean into that, is to do four things. It's to to give God your time, saying, God, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to attend church. I'm going to be involved in small groups, things like that. My talent meaning I've got a gift and God made me on purpose and I'm going to use that to serve other people. Today in this room, there's some guys filming with cameras and they're using their gifts. Maybe your gift is you're friendly and you like to host people. When we get back to church, you're going to maybe high five some people, maybe um, elbow some people, serve donuts or whatever it is. Maybe your gift is you love to do things with your hands. You help us build a prop or something, serve somebody. Maybe your gift is, is generosity. So time, talent, treasure is the third one. And I think God is calling us to give financially for us to be generous people, 
to not look at what we have and to hold it, but to go, God, what have you given me and how can I leverage this to help other people know you? And then the last one is testimony. So it's real simple. Time, talent, treasure, and testimony. This idea of this testimony, it's just meaning saying, I'm going to tell people what God has done for me. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to stand on a corner with a megaphone and yell at people or hold up signs. All you have to do is be willing to look around your life and go, God, this is my story. I'm going to share it with those that I know. So God is calling us to know him better, to, to surrender our life, to reorganize our life, to give of our life, to know Jesus better. This is the new norm that God wants for you. But Matthew tells us this. Matthew 7, 21 tells us this. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Then it goes on in verse 23, and, and Jesus will say, but I will reply, I never knew you. So God's will for us is that he wants, to, he wants us to know him better. But then Jesus warns us that if our life doesn't start to change shape, that if our relationship with him doesn't, if, we, if it doesn't grow to a place that we begin to change and, and he begins to mold us and shape us, if, if we don't fall into a place where we start to obey his commandments and know him better, if, his, if our relationship with him doesn't have an effect on the way that we live our life, this is what Jesus is saying, then, then you probably never actually knew me. So Jesus has given us a warning right here that to know God means that your life is going to look different. You're going to have a new norm. And today, if you're watching, you say, John, I don't even know if I know God. You're talking about knowing him better, and that's great, but I need to start a relationship with him. I don't, I don't even know if I know him. You thought that, that going to church or attending church or maybe living a certain way is what God wanted for you. And now you're recognizing, no, what God wants is a relationship. And that relationship is what causes those other things. In fact, I say it this way. You don't do good to get God. When you get God, you start doing good. If you try to do all these things and God's word commands us and you don't actually have a relationship, you're going to fall short. It's going to be really difficult. But if you pursue Jesus first, he'll help you to start walking out those things. So if you say, John, I don't even know God, I want to pray for you. Romans tells us that all we have to do to know God, all that we have to do to be saved, all that we have to do is just to believe in our heart that God sent Jesus to this earth and they died on the cross and he rose again and then confess that with our mouth. So if that's you, you say, John, I want to know God better. I want to pray for you right now. And so uh, just do this. Just repeat this prayer after me. Confess, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And let's pray. Just say, dear God, Thank you for sending Jesus to this earth. Thank you for the sacrifice that he paid on the cross. Thank you that he rose again. And thank you that he did that for me. God, I confess that I have sins. God, I confess that I've been far from you. But today, I want to know you better. I believe in you, I love you, and I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you today for praying that. And if you want to know God better, we, we want to help you do that. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, and you're, or maybe it's the first time in a long time, this is what I want you to do. We've got a free gift we want to send you. We want to partner with you in your walk with God. And so do this. Text the word Jesus saves, Jesus saves with no space, to the number 97,000. 
When you do that, you're going to get a te text from us with a link, with a little form, and then we're going to send you a free gift, a book that's going to help you walk out your next steps with Jesus. And if today, if you've been watching and you say, hey, I want to know him better, like I know him, but I recognize like I need to step into some new things, man, we've got some stuff for the next few weeks that we're going to be unpacking together. Uh, some things like small groups and an online uh, uh, start here, an opportunity for you to find your gift online. Even though you're stuck at home, we're going to help you do that. So keep coming with us. Keep watching on Sundays. Keep engaging with us. We're going to help you do that. Know Him better weekly. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great week.